Check, check, check. Let's see how this sounds. Apprenticeship. Apprenticeship. Listeners. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. The audio check sounded great today. Pardon the delay as this podcast will be going out a little later on Monday the 7th. It's a pretty cool day though, I will admit. It would be even cooler if it was like July 7, just because it would be 7-7. I have a thing for 7s. I'm not going to call the podcast 7 though. What I'm going to call the podcast today is Dropping Balls. Because last, not last week, because I actually missed last week, hence the name, but the week before that I called the podcast Juggling. This past couple weeks, I just feel like I've, I've kind of dropped too many balls, balls to re, uh, rebound from, uh, at least in one, one week. So I had to take two. It was just a, a matter of doing a lot all at once, uh, and, and really, I think splicing myself way too thin. Actually, uh, just wanted to share with you guys. I just got done doing a really awesome interview with, um, the reinventing the tattoo podcast. And, uh, you can find that on YouTube. Just look up reinventing the tattoo, but basically it, it was really awesome. They were shouting out that I was going to be doing two seminars at the Paradise Tattoo Gathering this year, which will be the, oh, Gabe told me, I think he said the 12th through the 14th, I do believe, the 12th through the 14th. I could be absolutely wrong, but I think that that's correct. And it's a Thursday to Saturday or Sunday event. So it can't be that. I'll look it up. I'll post the actual dates. I do apologize, Gabe, but I'm going to be there. It's October and it's regularly done at Jiminy Peak uh, Mountain Resort. It's a beautiful location, especially around October because typically speaking, most of the seasonal colors are coming out, all those beautiful fall colors. Lots of beautiful trees, East Coast feel, gorgeous, gorgeous location. It's like right past the Catskills. But getting back, I'm I'm doing two seminars, one on how to be an attractive prospect for, uh, for an apprenticeship. So I'll be giving away a, a seminar for that, and that'll be open for people to access. Uh, and then there's also going to be one that I am charging a little bit for, it's only going to be $30 a head. I, I think that's a good a good amount for the actual event. Uh, and at the actual content of what I'm going to be sharing, it's going to be my consultation process. I mentioned that uh, prior in prior episodes that I would be doing that. It's all official now. I will be doing it. 
the two events I believe that I called, it's so hard to reference. I called one go going fishing or gone fishing. And then the, uh, and that's the apprenticeship attractiveness one, like how to be the best bait for, uh, for an apprenticeship and for a would be mentor to, you know, uh, want to use or, or an attractive fish or like using the best bait for attracting a mentor. I, I haven't flushed it all out. I'm, I'm big about metaphors, but I think you guys get what I'm putting, you know, you're picking up what I'm putting down. It's, it's all about like how, how to go fishing for this apprenticeship that you want. So in that respect, how to put out the best bait. Then the, uh, the consultation one I'm calling No Regrets, and it's called The Art of Consultation. Basically, how to set expectations and, and manage the whole thing. It's, it's going to be not only sharing what I do, um, but also for different styles of tattooing and approach. You know, what are some things that you can do to streamline the process so that everybody is taken care of and so that you can do enough front-end work for, for your tattoo process so that you and your client are walking into the experience fully consenting, fully understanding what's going to go on, and really minimizing what kind of fallout might happen. Because um, the last thing that I like to hear from other tattoo artists is, you know, how, how much they're annoyed or frustrated with their clients, you know, that's a really awful, that's a really awful way to feel, I think. And I think that it can sour this profession quite a bit. And it can actually run a lot of people off if they're not careful. I think that, that the recent things that I've gone through via COVID and having to reconnect with my community and put myself back out there and find the passion again for for tattooing and how I interact with my clientele will help to formulate this this seminar that I'm going to be giving but I plan to give a lot in this seminar and uh, you know I, I, I hope to make it a very worthwhile $30 um, you know as we well know we can spend $30 very easily on a lunch and I'd, I'd very much so like to uh, feed a person for a while. So, you know, in terms of the, the old metaphor, teach a man uh, to give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man to fish, he eats for the rest of his life. So that's, that's basically what I hope to do with uh, my time at Paradise. And, um, you know, in that respect, too, it's going to be a lot of giving back what was given to me because Paradise since 2011 has really influenced my career as a tattoo artist, as an artist, as a professional. I've got to meet so many dope tattoo artists and unlike a lot of these bigger tattoo conventions where you really just don't get a chance to meet people, uh, this one you do. You get a lot of opportunity to hang out. You get a lot of opportunity to network, connect, really gather tools. The seminars have always, always, always been so, so influential. They've always been worth the money. Uh, so that's the kind of standard that I am going to be holding myself to with my seminar. It, it's just a, it's a fantastic time. So if you at all want to go, I can't recommend it enough. Do it sooner than later because 
the mountain, the mountain resort, they do sell out quickly. They will have some things, I think, in the surrounding area. If, um, if you do run out of opportunities to stay on location, but I can't say enough good things about the actual tattoo convention. It's worth, it's worth your time. It makes all the difference. Anybody that I've invited to these events have been like, oh my God, this was fundamental. Like this was very grounding. This gives me hope. I can't say enough good things. So that's the plug for Paradise. Um, the plug for the two seminars that I'm going to be doing. I, I'll probably streamline that. I'm moving ahead in podcast land to kind of remind people in, in a very nice, succinct kind of commercial format about it moving ahead just to kind of give everybody, um, give anybody a, uh, an opportunity. And, and Gabe, the coordinator, he's syncing up with, uh, Jake Meeks to run the event, but they had thrown out the potential of, you know, kind of advertising partially by, uh, giving two portfolio reviews away and having that be available at the event as well. And I would be very interested in doing that. So maybe if you attend, uh, and you want a genuine portfolio review, you're trying to get an apprenticeship that would be on the apprenticeship, uh, seminar side. If you would like to put yourself in for a portfolio critique, I, I can't think of a better space. It's very ballsy. It's going to say a lot of great things about you as a person who really wants an apprenticeship. If you show up to an event like this, put yourself up to a professional critique in the face of all of these really notable people. It's just, you never know what will happen. You never know what will be given to you. I, I know that it's a, a daunting thing to think about, but the amount of growth that you will get in such a short amount of time, I, I guarantee you will be exponential. Also, I, I can't say enough good things about the kind of people, the artists that get invited to this event are always genuine. They're always very kind. They're very open. They're, they're sincerely people who want to help. So, so I can't, I can't say enough good things. As far as dropping balls, uh, it's a funny, it's a funny, uh, <laughs> it's a funny name, I guess. Uh, part of my mind just goes in very stupid, uh, childish ways for that. I have to admit I have, I, and, and this feeds back into what I was leading with where I just got off of a, uh, interview with reinventing the tattoo podcast uh, I was talking with Fawn Baker of uh, Tattoo Collecting 101, which is another amazing podcast to go check out. If you like to geek out about tattoo podcasts, uh, I can give you a handful, but hers is one that I think is really great. Long form, you're actually watching people get tattooed. These are the kind of conversations and things that get explored while people are actually in the space of tattooing. So it's a really neat, in-depth look if you're a person who wonders about, you know, these big, big tattoos and what it's like to collect a piece like that and, and to hear from not only clients that are a part of these tattoo collecting experiences, but also an artist who that's the kind of work she does all the time. It's very large. It's very multi-session, um, very intimate, very great. I think I kept using the word symbiotic, uh, 
the in in the reinventing the tattoo podcast, but it is um fun, I think you know, really connects with their clients in a really great way, a very integral way. And they just have fantastic conversations that are very interesting to catch. And it's kind of like, you know, if you're ever curious about what goes down in a tattoo session, you know, you, you might, maybe, maybe you want to start collecting. It's a, it's a great thing to set, I think, an expectation of what you can hope to find sometimes when you submit yourself to that kind of tattoo collecting. It's just inevitable that you're you're probably going to get really close to your artist because of how often you're going to see them and for how long. Not to mention, you know, as I've said before, it's it's borderline torture. And when you psychologically are being broken down and physically broken down, the the level of trust that you end up getting for your artist and the kind of journey that you end up going through with your artist is really significant. So. Uh, I can't recommend Fawn enough. I actually just heard about, I mean, I think I had heard about it before, but I never checked it out. Um, uh, Chats and Tats, I they just plugged that, but I just became a new follower. So in them doing that, I just learned about everything. It's, uh, it's actually ran by a really, really amazing tattoo artist. Uh, let me make sure I don't brutalize his name. I'm not on the wrong or on the right... Uh, social media space to give you this information. So uh, Aaron Della Vadova is the the main host. He's a fantastic tattoo artist. He does very spectacular, huge tattoos, um, gorgeous work, and he seems to have a lot of charisma. And it seems also the, the little clip that I saw of him uh, interviewing Marcus Leonard, who is also a phenomenal tattoo artist. Um, it also seems like he has uh, he has what I have that that passion for gab, and so it's a very appropriate name for the podcast, Chats and Tats. I just started following them, so I am going to, you know, continue to listen and um, see see what I think about Aaron. But he seems like a really cool guy, and his. His podcast is relatively new, but I think what what his style was, let's not do anything until we got this really, really, really figured out. So he's kind of like the reverse of this podcast. Like, I just started podcasting and I figured I I would figure things out as I went and show people that view of it. With Aaron, it's I'm going to create this beautiful, beautiful studio space where I can do everything, film and you know, podcasting and it looks gorgeous. And, you know, he's, he, he, he didn't, he didn't move until it got to be exactly what he was after, which I, I give him very high marks for, cause it looks beautiful, his show. So, uh, go ahead and, uh, check that out because that's really awesome. His tattoo studio, he's actually an owner is Guru Tattoo in San Diego. So, um, it's a, it's a very prominent tattoo in Cal or tattoo studio in California. So I would, I would follow all of these people and tattoo podcasts. Cause if you're here, you might as well go other places too. And just geek out because I would assume that if you're here, you're interested in the tattoo culture. You're inter- interested in, I don't know why I can't articulate well today. You're interested in 
tattooing, apprenticeship, learning as much as you can. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the plugs, uh, lead with plugs. So as far as dropping balls, getting back, see, this is what I'm saying. This has been my whole week has been just circle back, circle back, circle back. It's been, um, just an onslaught of things that I really haven't been able to fully manage. So uh, a recent thing that I hope he doesn't mind me sharing has been uh, Rico actually in the pursuit of his own professional abilities and and birth and opportunities, I guess would be the correct word. It, he decided to give up smoking marijuana in general. Uh, he's He's really wanted to step more and more into his love of building weaponry and he knows that he will be limited if he doesn't completely clean himself up and uh make himself you know a better prospect for a multi swath of of uh job opportunities so he's he's i mean this is like 20 years that he's been doing this so i commend him highly for my part though and I will admit this to you guys. It's been it's been a lot. It's been chaos. Um, you know, part of this podcast is me being very intimate with you guys and and uh, and candid, and kind of expressing on the back end of what you know everything is. I I think that we all like to understand that the people that do what we want to do are people as well and what that feels like and part of it for me has always been relationship journeys so my relationship over the past you know basically month has been very different than the relationship I had with Rico you know for basically four years or four and a half years he's been super extra his energy levels are through the roof thank god thank god he lifts weights but (laughs) podcast listeners entry listeners it's 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 been too much for me to really deal with and be kind to in in this realm I've really wanted to sedate him um on top of that our home we have a townhome Our home has had some incidences where if I have anything to say about what happened uh, has been the target of a lot of teenage shenanigans. It's been basically either ding dong dash or um, late night banging on our doors or midday run up and hit our patio door and run off. But we've had we've had local teenagers roaming our neighborhood and just getting into mischief. And unfortunately, you know, I, I have somebody in my life who has had to grow up in very rough ways. I'll I'll not elaborate because he's not here, but this is a, a huge trigger. This is our castle. And, um, it's been a very hard thing to, with with somebody who doesn't have his normal sedation, um, you know, kind of, kind of dealing with this energy 
and kind of bringing him down. We finally got a rhythm back, so that's why I'm here now and I'm able to podcast. But for anybody that's been with somebody who's, you know, shifting gears and is becoming sober and and brutally sober because he's not on anything right now and he doesn't like alcohol, he doesn't like anything. I mean, I'm really grateful for all of this. Um, I don't want it to sound like I'm not, but... It's challenging to be with somebody who's going through the the throes of sobriety and what life is like afterwards. And I think what ends up happening, I know for myself, and I want to speak for myself at this point, when I have decided to stop doing certain things that I've found to be, you know, kind of habitual in my life and repetitive and that I've seen that it's really not kind of yielded the kind of results that I wanted... I have, especially when it's about substance use, I, I, there's so much, I think, grief and grievance that I have with myself for how much time I spent doing certain things and then realizing all the things that I really numbed myself to and, and indulged you know, I'm in that space right now where I need to get back into working out and I need to make better choices with my food. I'm not abysmal, but I haven't been working out. I have continual health issues that as you get older, you have you have to keep scaling what you do physically. And so, you know, when you start getting in that rhythm of really good habits again, what you end up going through, I think, is sometimes this in working out, it's a little different because you end up feeling so good that you, you're like, wow, I, I can't even imagine my life without this. But then you also, I think, go through this kind of grief and anger with yourself that you spent so long not doing something that you now consider just your every day. And I think that's what, uh, if I can speak for him, Rico's kind of going through right now. Like at first he was like, man, I feel so good. I feel so good. For me, I was like, I feel so drained. I feel so drained <laughs> because it's so not my norm and I'm very happy for him. But him deciding to make a shift, that's very much so on his time schedule. It was not on my time schedule. I had to embrace it and love him and be there for him in that time. And it was at a moment in my life where a lot was happening. Um. Not as much tattooing, though I have had some really great tattoo clients in the past few, in the past month or so. It's been really awesome. I'm happy to announce that I'm very, very ready to get back into tattooing fully to open up my books. I think that I finally have, I think that a, a grounding, a grounding feeling from my faith in conjunction with tattooing. I think that I am not questioning anymore whether or not I'm hurting people. And uh, I had to, after COVID and after all the things that I've experienced and coming to my faith, I really had to pause before I could overly mark people forever. And as I have said multiple times on the podcast, it was a comfort for me for a good four years now 
to only work with people who I had already had work priorly set up that we had already discussed it or just people that I had already worked with that wanted to get more work done. I've shut down so much new work and it's been for years. So I, I, I'm fairly certain that there's going to be a, a big fallout of people who have probably already moved on, gotten work done by somebody else. I, I'm very apologetic to those people who have been wanting to get tattooed by me. Um, my hope is, is that they moved on. And my other hope is, is that if they've waited, that they've waited for the best of me and the best of what we're going to create for each other because I'm excited again. I'm energized and I feel like I have gone through that kind of, I, I guess the, the, the Aboriginal people would call it a, a walkabout, you know, a, a walk with faith, a walk with myself for a while. So I, I, I finally feel like that, but this last couple of weeks have been, have been like the, I guess the final death of all of that, that, that like spiritual death and rebirth that I had to kind of come to, which brings up something that I might make the cover of this. I'm not sure make the cover of this podcast, but I'm, I'm not entirely certain, but, um, I started thinking about a lot of things. Uh, one of the things that came to mind well, I should probably track back before I go too deep into that, but one of the things that has been on my heart lately has been just, I guess, stopping a lot of the extra noise that has come into my heart about being Christian and really getting into the Bible and reading it more and more and then really just kind of casting out a lot of the things that I knew to be the case before. Um, this all kind of started with my, my experience of a regular podcast that I like to listen to. It's a political show. So if you're not, I would say if you're not, if you're not conservative, might not be your jam. If you don't like the Daily Wire, definitely not your jam. But I like to regularly catch Michael Knowles' show. Now I will admit, Michael, you're not you're not my number one. My number one is Matt Walsh, and it needs to be known. I do love Michael Knowles though, and I do feel kinship with him in a in a big way, particularly because I think he has a really really mm. good artistic eye and sense. And I also find him considerably open and I like how much he's willing to meet with people in a debate space where he's willing to have difficult conversations with people. He'll often Im invite Democrats onto his show uh, to have very nice debates and or people of just different mindsets where you know, they go back and forth and they really hack a, uh, hack a, a particular point of order. What am I getting, getting to? What's the word? A particular subject. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, in this particular one that kind of sent my mind off 
into outer space, which it makes sense that it does. Uh, he he interviewed Jacob Angeli. Jacob Angeli is by the mainstream media called the QAnon Shaman, and he was actually held for from our government by our government uh, for his participation in the insurrection of January 6th. And I'm sorry I'm saying that so sardonically. If you do not agree with me, that's up to you. But it wasn't an insurrection. Um, they look a lot different. And uh, I, I do honestly believe that a lot of it was incited on a reverse end to be a talking point and to be a regular thing that just keeps our, keeps all of us, not just our country, but the general discussion divided. And that's what I feel. And I, I, I think it's safe enough for me to say that without party lines, without anything, just the point is to sell drama. And when it comes to what I believe the mainstream media has become, it's a lot of let's make it as dramatic and divisive as possible so we can incite people to be fearful and buy. So anyway... Uh, this interview with him was very interesting because he practices shamanistic, uh, I guess, faith, which is it's more ritual than it is anything. And it's more based in personal experience, which I, I would ask. It's about a two hour interview. It's very in depth. It's very interesting. So you have Michael Knowles, who's a Catholic, which I'm not, but it's closer to what I practice than what Jacob Angeli practices and and Jacob in being a shaman he he was he was talking about a lot of things that I connected to and this is this was kind of the hang up that I was having between my faith and I guess everything else that I had explored prior to becoming Christian and really accepting Christ as my savior was that it kind of meant that I had to cast out everything else that I explored before. You know, part of me was like, well, I can't completely cast it out because it's what brought me here. And I, and I do believe that in some ways. And I, Trust me, listeners, my heart will always remain open. I believe that's the gift that God has given me is a, a, a softer heart that is just full of yearning to understand this curiosity and for better or for worse, I, I keep living and I keep being able to ask these questions without being shut down. So my basic philosophy is, is that if I can't keep asking these questions and if it really ends up pushing back at me in a way that threatens my life or takes my life, then well, I mean, if it takes my life, it's over, but if it threatens my life, well, then maybe it's time to reexamine. But I keep being able to scale in these questions and I keep being able to ask. So, you know, part of my questioning for my faith right now was, was just, you know, how, how do I discount all these things that I've heard and how do I focus on the Bible? 
because I had stopped listening to the Bible. I had stopped reading it religiously. I was doing, um, I was doing my calligraphy, but what I'm finding with doing the calligraphy is that when you're transcribing things, it's very hard to actually read them while you're transcribing them. So, and it's so slow. It's like the slowest way to get through the Bible. So I'm going to be, I mean, I'm going to be like, I don't even know how many notebooks in, uh, I guess it depends on how succinctly I, I figure out how to do calligraphy, how many notebooks I'm going to be in before I, you know, get through Genesis. I don't, I don't know, but it's not a good way to actually be in the word every day. Let's just put it that way. And, um, so been really struggling with what I feel is my adult attention deficit and learning how to regulate my systems and cut the fat. And part of that has been, well, how do I, how do I focus on just my spiritual journey in being Christian? Because all of these other things are calling me and I really did feel called to this Jacob Angeli uh, interview. And I will, I will tell you the things that I, I probably most connected to him with has not been the spiritual side, though I, I dabbled in all those things. It's mostly what he's seen about our politics and our politics long term, um, country formation, uh, motivations for why governments get formulated a certain way, certain things that are happening. Um, all of that kind of going into what he was then labeled, which was QAnon, uh, and, you know, very conspiracy theorist, but it was a very good interview. And Jacob is very cogent. He is very good at being able to talk about what he's doing and he doesn't strike me as crazy and he doesn't strike me as somebody who doesn't know what they're speaking about. The issue is, is whether or not it's a path for me. And that's really where I was at. I actually sent the interview to my pastor. I wasn't able to actually circle back to my pastor and get his notes, but I ended up finding in this time of searching another podcast that set me back on track in a way that I think is really good and is right for me. Now, this might not be for anybody else, but if you want to take this walk with me and if you want to invest in all of these things with me, it's going to it's going to take hours and hours and hours of your listening because that's what it took me. Um, last week, as you well know, I uh, did a guest spot at Rapture Tattoo. Now, for anybody who saw that, it was very impromptu. Essentially, what happened is this. I love all the people, all the people, all the people at Rapture Tattoo, everyone, all of the workers, all of the, all of the tattoo artists, even the apprentices, as much as they, you know, they're apprentices and we, we all give them a hard time. They're good people too. Um, I just love them. And what happened was I kept telling the owner, Jake and his wife, Bree, they recently got married, so congratulations to them. But I said to them, I said, you know, I, I want to come hang out with you guys just on a friend kind of 
kind of level. And they were like, yeah, you know, like whenever you want, you know, you're, excuse me, I'm burpy guys. I'm sorry. It's so live TV here. Um, they said, you're, you're welcome to come here anytime you want. We kept saying that and then not, not finding time. And when I say we, it was mostly me because I kept saying, Hey, I want to do this. And they're like, great, you can do it whenever you want. Tell us when. And, and then I dropped the ball. So basically what happened was they were working Battlefield Tattoo Expo. Rico and I had the day where we were going to go and like investigate this. And we had a great day. We went up there mostly just to hang out with them, to be honest. Uh, it was just trying to catch them, knowing a time where we could find them. And we also kind of just just given what we know is the case when you're working conventions wanted to kind of do a mission trip and take them a bunch of water and, you know, good food and things that are nourishing and that are going to give them the right amount of steam, you know, because when you go to conventions, the, the food might be quote unquote good, but it's very rarely good for you. And a bottle of water sometimes can cost like $4. It's, it's ridiculous. So, you know, I mean... We probably hurt the convention as far as their sales and the vendors and stuff like that. But, um, we, you know, we kind of rescued our friends. We brought them like a case of water and, and we brought them extra food and some fruit and some nuts and some things that were like more protein based just so that they can have some good stuff. So we wanted to hang out and then very impromptu. I was like, Hey, I want to do a guest spot. You know, I have to see you. Let's force this in. It was really, it was kind of forced. So it was like beginning of July that we started, we decided to do this. Maybe not even, it was probably like a week and some change into July where I decided in the very beginning of August to do a guest spot. So I didn't give him much time to, I didn't give myself much time to advertise. I got a couple clients though, and it was freaking awesome. I didn't have, I didn't have a few for the beginning of the, uh, the, uh, guest spot, but it was fortunate that I didn't because so many weird things were happening. Like I kept forgetting things like I go and I get all my gear there and you know, that, that particular night I come home and I'm exploring a few a few tattoos that I'm, I'm going to have to design for, for the week ahead. And I realized I don't have my Apple pencil now, you know, I, I have designed without the use of my technology, but it's kind of outside of my normal rhythm of things. Again, uh, uh, this whole like interruption of energy, your flow, your, your system, as I said, you know, like I, I don't know if it's OCD so much as it is my adult ADD that that needs to have a regimen. If I don't have my regimen, then I get I get haywired, like I get fried, and it causes a lot of you know uh, I guess like uh, spiraling effects of where it can go into depression. It can go into a lot of things. It didn't get that bad. I I just kind of. I just was kind of breathing through it and was like, well, you can't do everything, Amy. It's, you know, life's not perfect. I mean, fortunately for you, you're not, you didn't leave it 
in a foreign place that you don't trust the people or, you know, you're only an hour, hour and some change away from this particular shop. So worst case scenario, you know, if you had to put an extra bit of mileage on your car mm-hmm. and pay some extra in gas, you know, but nothing was that detrimental. So I, I left my Apple pencil and then the next day I was like, oh, well, I don't have a tattoo. So mm-hmm. I'll. I'll design at the studio and just shoot the shit with everybody. Well, I get to the studio and I forgot my iPad. I don't even know. Like, guys, I don't even know. So apparently as all this is happening, there's a full moon. Now, I do think that there is in terms of energy and what can happen to us, there is something to that where you know, based on different polarities of, of what's happening in the world, what kind of freaky stuff is happening. Uh, the moon has something to do with it. Apparently August is very particular with that. We have a blue moon that's going to be coming. Um, it's a great harvesting time for vegetables and things like that. Um, but there was a full moon while this was going on. Coincidentally enough, I, I had a client, too, that was getting a um, a woman and a wolf uh, howling at the full moon together, which I think was kind of funny and kismet and, and kind of just everything that's everything that I was experiencing was just like, what is this weird energy? I, in fact, when I was at the Duncannon location, which is where Brie uh, works mostly, she was like, I don't know what's with me, man, like. I, I must, it must be the full moon. There's a lot going on. I keep making mistakes. And I was like, same, man, like this me too. And, um, you know, we were all kind of moody. Uh, a couple artists had multiple cancellations that were happening. So everything, there was lots, not just my balls that dropped. (laughs) I just think about a young man. I'm sorry, guys. I just think about a young man who's like, what are they going to drop? Um, (laughs) But yeah, like every everybody else's balls were dropping too. So it was it was kind of, you know, uh, in in the grand way, like shifting of energy, uh, coming to fruition, death and rebirth kind of thing. So this gets me into what I ended up diving into, just so everybody knows there's certain ways that I diffuse my, I guess, feeling lost, feeling aggressive, feeling depressed. Uh, a lot of it is, is things that I, it's of course art doing art is a great way to diffuse all of that, get that energy out. Again, if I got into working out, that would be amazing. Um, but, but I've, I've yet to be doing that ritualistically that would help immensely. But the other thing that I do is obviously listen to podcasts or I'll share this with you guys because I love you. I will have full scale conversations or arguments with myself. It's not necessarily myself, but it's it's me and however I'm projecting another person. So say if I'm having, um, for instance, my aunt needed my attention during the week, but I I couldn't really give it to her. So part of me, sorry, Aunt Barb, but part of me was like having these like 
diffusing like borderline arguments with myself about my own ability to to take time for myself because I'm juggling so much and how I just don't have time to talk to her right now. But I would have like like kind of arguments and I would I would be like kind of role playing what I was going to say. And basically what I was doing was just kind of yelling myself out. But I'll do this in my car. Thank God for Bluetooth because people, I mean, I guess, I mean, one or the other. If they know you're, if they think you're crazy, then they're not going to fuck with you. So that's good, right? But now with Bluetooth, people could assume that I'm having a conversation in the car, that I'm yelling at somebody. And and whether it's crazy or I'm, I'm yelling at somebody in the car on Bluetooth, they're probably not going to stay around me very long driving, right? I'm still very much so driving, like very much so focused on driving. I have a great connection with talking while being active. Obviously, if you've ever been tattooed with me, you know I kind of have conversations the whole time. So that wasn't a problem. I was 100% driving fine. I was also driving a favorite car of mine, uh, which is my dad's Sequoia. So it's like driving a boat, guys. Like if it didn't, if it didn't get like regrettable gas mileage, I would, I would have a car like that. It's just the turning radius is amazing. It's a huge car. It's like floating and you're so high up, but not too high up to be like scary and need like a different kind of license, but it's just a beautiful car. It's just or truck, or SUV, I guess. It's just so great. So I was driving that. It's a a wonderful vehicle. And I ended up finding, I, so I, I typically like to listen to Matt Walsh, but he's only like an hour and some change. And I had an hour and some change drive. And I always listen to him on my ride back. So my ride there I found myself to a podcast that I really do listen to sporadically, but I always have a good time when I center in on his podcast, which is James Lindsay's podcast, New Discourses. Um, if you find yourself being really nerdy, um, if you are like the same as me where you're like, what the hell is happening? Like... Why is everything inverted? Why why is all this stuff that I thought I knew not a thing anymore? Or if you are like, screw wokeism, like you hate it, and you're just, you don't even understand what's going on, cannot recommend James Lindsay's podcast enough. Now, he is very, very, very thorough deeply, deeply well-educated guy, has to be a consummate reader. Um, But he basically breaks down wokeism and connects it to a lot of things that if you want to go and check him out, please do. But in these three lectures that he did, it was actually, I think, college lectures that he did, it was a very big focus around... uh, occult, occult religion and how in the background 
of all of the very notable religions who are very on their face, very open, very much so putting themselves out there to be criticized. And I do think that Christianity is the number one right now that is being ardently crit- criticized and, but, but is the most transparent. Like I said, I, I was struggling to get back to my Bible, even though I know I should be reading it. I should be in the word. I, I know that I have no business kind of questioning what's, what is my faith opposed to another if I'm not willing to actually commit to what the word of God is and read it and just freaking read it and and read it again if I need to and go to Bible study with some kind of homework behind me and some knowledge so I was really struggling to do that recently and uh I I I, I guess it was just because you know part of this walk is like confronting your own ego and confronting your own need to have everybody understand you and have everybody see life the way you see it. And also this very hubris thing of wanting as many people as possible to see things and do things as you do it. And that's been a long, long term thing with me. Um, You know, I think it was hubris for me to say that I was cured of my codependency. Obviously, I'm not because, you know, that's it, right? Like that ego that says, oh, a wounded bird, let me heal you. You know, (laughs) like you're you're struggling. I have to be your savior like that. That shit like you. It's a really it's a, a really problematic thing when you are a person who cares deeply and um, and I, I, I think that I don't know I, it's, it's about boundaries it's about truly being compassionate it's about truly trying to walk as Christ walked and that's the point of Christianity is to mm-hmm. embody Christ as much as you can and to observe it and I've been I've been dealing with this lately. And so this this talk, these three lectures that James Lindsay talked about was it broke down wokeism. It broke down the connection to wokeism and these ancient occult religions that he starts out by basically saying you have you have to believe, we have to make an agreement before I start this that there are there is a whole other religion that has been behind the scenes that none of you have known about. You, you guys have to, before I even get into all this, you have to agree. We have to agree for each other that this is the case. And he's like, and then he explains why this is actually a possibility without getting conspiracy theorists. But he's like, you know, this this is possible because that's the nature of cults and occult. The occult is something that is supposed to be secret, secret faith. So he 
I'm not going to belabor you. I'd really love if you guys check them out. Let me make sure that I'm quoting them correctly so that you can really check them out and really, really um, digest them at your leisure if you would like to. But again, the podcast is called New Discourses. Uh, the, the main guy is James Lindsay. Um, the podcasts that I listened to were... And I, it was so funny because I was actually sharing them with so many people while this was going on. It was nuts. Um, I was just like, you have to listen to this. This is so good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I want to get the titles for you guys so that you can really check them out. I'm getting close. So the first one was uh, he recorded it April 24th. It's about an, it's about two hours. It's called The Negotiation of the Real. And... Uh, Real spelled R-E-A-L, so real as intangible. And then the uh, the next one is called The Gnostic Parasite. And that one, uh, oh, I, I have a minute left, so I can't see how long it was for you guys. But they're all about, they're almost two hours, most of them. And then uh, the third one is As Above, So Below, which is so weird because... Uh, one of the artists that I was talking to at at um, at Rapture was Josh Hoffman, and it came up as above, so below, and we were like, "What? Where? Where is that from?" And I I threw out just being ignorant. I said, "I think it's the Bible." But see that's kind of what I'm talking about. That's kind of the point of some of this stuff is that when, when these occult religions come in, what they do is they subvert actual religion. So for me to think that that came from the Bible is very, is very telling about how these religions work and what they do and how they catch people on to their particular faith. They, they, uh, I mean, honestly, much like the deceiver, they take what is and they, they turn it on its head and corrupt. So basically the, all of these things are explorations of Gnostic and Hermetic faith. And Josh actually cleared me up. He's like, no, I don't think it's in the Bible. I think it's hermetic. I think it's like alchemic, hermetic text. And he was right. Um, I ended up looking it up and I was like, oh shit, you're right. So essentially to wrap, wrap up what I was experiencing, I really do think that, um, there are forces going on, folks, that, you know, you really have to be a person of faith to even, I guess, follow me here. That's the agreement that I have to make with anybody who's listening to me right now is that if you're not a person who believes in God or who who believes in faith at all or the power of faith, then this might get lost on you, but... I think that's essential to kind of recognize and understand these things. But you have to agree that that it is there is a potential for something to be subverting your faith 
and to be working on you. And I, I, I think that's what the struggle was for me is that it was hard for me to discount a lot of things that I hadn't, I, I haven't really practiced to be honest with you, but kind of always were things that I dabbled in before and that I opened myself up to in my, in my seeking, my searching. And I, I didn't want to let them go. And I didn't want to, um, cast out anybody or anything as right or wrong as a result of it. Uh, I, I, I love colors and I love the rainbow and I love, I, I love uh, the concept of healing and, and medicine and science and uh, our, our exploration of the world and, and um, using language as you would different colors paint of paints and, you know, getting, getting very exploratory with it. I love all these things. So for me to um, that, I, I think that's always been a problem for me has been to use very specific language and to limit language and to say, well, that doesn't mean this anymore. And be like, well, it did mean that. And I think that context does matter. And I want everybody to know that that that's not something that has kind of completely vacated my soul, but but in hearing these lectures from James Lindsay to kind of quantify what I was experiencing, I realized that part of the, the, the issue that I was having is, is that the struggle is that these esoteric occult religions, what they do is they seize and they corrupt. So it is very challenging for you to completely understand what they're getting at because they use terms that we universally think are neutral or they're nice or they're good and they're not. And they're actually very much so of their, their ritual and their belief system and when these terms are used in such a way that they choreograph, they're setting the odds in their favor, not in the favor of what we as people who think we're using things correctly actually intend. And so it gets us in these spaces where, you know, again, we thought, we thought that we were connecting with somebody. We thought we were using language in a correct way. We thought that everybody was, you know, understanding each other, but that's not the case with mm -hmm. these practitioners of Gnostic religion. The case is, is that they corrupt and subvert language to basically use people. And, and they very much so need as many people as possible to formulaically do as they do because it, it enhances the ritual of what they're doing. And it actually brings forth the kind of things that they want which is something that 
you know, I remember a long time ago, the whole, like, um, the secret and creating your own reality. It's that kind of stuff. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that it's very evocative to think and to know that you have, you know, it's very empowering, those kind of things. Like I have agency. Yeah, of course you always have agency. God gave us free will. God gave us choice. So, you know, knowing that we have agency, it's kind of like, yeah, you should, you should know that. Um, but this whole kind of manipulative look about it is, is kind of what I was sold for a very long time. And it's about people and things that very much so is just feeding ego and again, this narcissism that is permeating, this sociopathic narcissism that is permeating all of our cultures that you see, and it's just stifling dissent. It, things are becoming chaotic. All of these things are very purposeful, too. And it gave me a lot of grounding. It sated me a lot. And it basically made me realize I need to go back to the Bible. I need, I need to stop. I need to stop questioning these things and just read the Bible because one, I haven't read it fully. Uh, so I, I can't speak to it. And then also I, I, I cannot keep using this language pretending or thinking that it's, it's as neutered as I think it is or that, I'm dealing with people who understand it the same way I do. Love is a big, big, big word that gets thrown around a lot where we all perceptively think that love is universally understood to be the same thing. It is not. Let me tell you, and if you have the wherewithal and, and the tenacity to listen through almost six hours of James Lindsay lecture on this, I assure you, you'll understand why that's the case afterwards. Um, he does such a good job of breaking it down. But I, I've come back to center and I'm not that I'm, I'm going to stop seeking. Obviously, you know, this is a, an apprenticeship diary. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep giving diary entries. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep drilling myself. But some good things have happened after this two weeks of pause and this two weeks of juggling and having balls drop and all of it and having quirky stuff happening and the full moon. And even when I say death and rebirth, that's a very esoteric thing that, you know, it's going to be hard for me because, you know, I got, I did a whole, sorry for the squeaks because I had to adjust. Um, you know, I, I, I said that I wanted to stop using the word pride because you know, I, I, I don't have any business to have pride. It's it's not a good word. It's not a good thing to have, you know, especially in, in the ways that people are using it right now. It's invoking some really nasty stuff. I need to have more humility and uh, less hubris. So, you know, I'm, I'm grounding myself in these things. But the dialectic, as James Lindsay, Lindsay will point out, is central to how this all takes place. And so I, you know, I don't know if this is going to speak to anyone else. I don't know if this is going to resonate with anyone else. I don't know if this will matter. 
But a big thing to wrap up this this talk, I, I mentioned it earlier how I might make this the cover of, of the, the podcast, and I might, but a tattoo, my first tattoo actually that I got was seven snakes eating each other in a spiral in a spiral and the reason why i got that tattoo was it was a dream and snakes are very significant usually if it's i think young who speaks of dreams always equivocates snakes and dreams to sexuality maybe that's that i don't know <laughs> but i looked at it as our earthbound self and knowledge and this death and rebirth kind of thing. But my spiral of snakes eating each, each other are, they get bigger and bigger and bigger as they go. There's seven of them and they start with a snake kind of looking at the viewer. And then it's all these snakes eating each other in a spiral. Excuse me, listeners. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> eating each other in a spiral. And the last one goes into me. And there were seven snakes that I could perceptively see in the dream. It was a very vivid dream. And it got me to... It's not the best tattoo. I, I've spoken about it before in, in the podcast. But it's been worked on by three different people, which I think is kind of interesting if we're, you know, doing the numerology thing, which I know is also new agey and probably not good. <laughs> but I, 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 I do like threes because you have the Trinity and then seven. Seven is so big. Seven virtues, seven sins. Seven is very big. And I remember, I think it was, I think it was something that I read in Joseph Campbell, though I Joseph Campbell, though I cannot be certain if it was him, but I think I remember him saying that you had to fall seven times before grace. And that stuck with me. And when I had this dream and when I di dissected it all, I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, snakes eating each other, it's about like digestion and growing and becoming bigger and more. And it was in a spiral and spirals have symbolically meant life and continuation and it going into me just like kind of suggesting that like this continues but we don't know how mm -hmm. far it continues and you know um but there were seven and I I remember that he said that and that's sticking out to me but I couldn't really establish at least for a long time I never really looked into it I think that I I believe Joseph Campbell because he's so um so much kind of like James Lindsay where he dips into all these different philosophies theologies mythos and pulls out the psychological aspects of them and does really really deep dive conversations about them you know the power of myth hero with a thousand faces these are books or talks that you should definitely look up. I believe uh, Hero with a Thousand, or no, Power of Myth is um, on YouTube if you want to check it out. Um, and, and Rick and Morty actually did a little uh, fun nod to Joseph Campbell that I think was cool too. Um, you know, uh, 
let you explore whatever you'd like to within that and uh you know get as nerdy as you'd like but i i love joseph campbell i think he's he's great at uh story analysis and um kind of showing people throughout history how the human condition has been and it's all kind of uh cool to me but anyway I have this tattoo, three people worked on it, and I didn't know where that concept came from, but I do now because I actually looked it up, and I am so pleased to know that unlike the uh, hermetic thing that came my way that Josh and I were talking about, it's actually biblical, uh, what, what was talked about with Joseph Campbell. It's, um, it's actually in Proverbs and it's Proverbs 24, 16 for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. So that's very potent. And to understand that in the Bible, it, that's what that was sourced from. And I didn't even know. All of these esoteric, all of all of this walk with all these things, all this stuff, all this extra. And if you do listen to the Jacob Angeli, uh, you'll you'll feel a lot of like intense intensity to the way he speaks. And and you'll find yourself really getting uh, attached to what he's saying very much so. And it's this, this very potent, intense energy that he's putting forth as he's speaking. Um, I still really like him, and I still think he is a good agent. I do think that he is a, a good person. Um, however, you reckon, what you're doing is you, you kind of feel him. You feel this kinship with him if you've at all kind of dipped your toes in the same path as he and I kind of have. And if you have that questioning heart, you'll really understand where he's coming from and what he's, what he's talking about. He quotes the Bible a lot too. Now he had 10 months in solitary confinement with a Bible. So he, he might have read it fully and I don't think he discounts it. I think he actually counts everything, but, but has this very, personal attachment to it that is good because faith is a personal walk but I I also think that in being brought back that there's this thing that he's doing that I recognize most now which is I have to save the world you know I have to save the world the world is bleeding out I have to save it and when you are a Christian and when you walk with Christ, you realize that none of that is necessary. Um, my friend Neil, who actually went under uh, knee surgery recently, so I went to visit him the other day, but he gave me this beautiful placard. Um, it's a, I, I, th I'm, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to attempt to quote it, but it's, it says, good morning. This is God. Uh, I, 
I'm at basically I'm at the the helm here. All of your problems I, I I have taken care of for you. I do not need your help. And that's that's basically it when you accept Christ as your savior is that you truly accept that things are going to be okay. That you become a part of everything and you become a part of something bigger than yourself. You stop feeling all this need to fix it, but rather to be grateful for it. Be grateful for everything that you have. And it's really powerful. And and I've found this before, like in dealing with people where they're, they're, they're talking so much about doing good things in the world, but the way that they see it is so awful. You know, they see it as broken. They see it as demolished. They see it as imperfect. And, you know, it's up to all of us to make it more perfect rather than what I've always striven to be, which is just curious and so romanced, I guess, by all that's around me and just wanting to be a part of it more and I guess play with it more and not criticize it so much, but just to observe and have it be what it is and find it unbelievably beautiful and to participate in that beauty as much as I can in a way that I find integral, I think is non-harmful as possible and something that when it's viewed and when it's belayed to another person uplifts them and gives that to that experience to them so that they're not running around constantly feeling panicked all the time and feeling so much pressure to fix everything and to 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 basically get to a point where inevitably you just hit a wall man of what you can actually do yourself you you end up getting really frustrated with people around you because they might not see it as you see it. They might not be as invoked as you are to this action. You become an activist. You become this this person who's screaming at people to be kind, to do the right thing. And, and meanwhile, you're like yelling at people. You're like attacking them with your agenda. And I don't, I think there's been moments like that for me. They're more in my very intimate, like, relationship space. I mean, I'm hacking that right now of just trying to be a partner to, you know, learn to yield, to learn to work with someone, to learn to really love and walk the walk of love, which is day by day, breathing in and out, taking things as they come, juggling, sometimes dropping the ball, but like, that's that's really where I've been re- recently. Sorry, guys, if uh, my my talk had gotten a little bit. I was looking at another direction. And I wasn't looking at my microphone, so hopefully that that still came through. But yeah, I I, I I've come back. I'm gonna keep doing calligraphy. Something to announce that's 
that's going on right now that that maybe I can share with you guys in in a very fun way is that I'm watching my parents' house for them right now. They, you know, they're going to be gone for a minute and they have chickens and they have this whole house that is ordered completely around how they live their life, which is very odd too. It's a very weird shift for me (laughs) and Rico uh, to be here. Uh, And so we're, we're kind of out of our element a little bit and that's going to be interesting, but I'm... I'm really passionate about not losing too much ground in what my pursuits are. I'm hoping to, like I said, really reach out to some people who have been waiting for a while for tattoos and getting some tattoo work on the book, moving into the fall. It's going to be a beautiful time for the fall to start getting some tattoo work in, busy time, funness, and and start being excited again. So I guess after all of that, may or may not have come out very uh, well and succinctly, I feel great. It, it's been great. I think I'm, I've picked up the balls that matter again and I have new energy and, um, you know, uh, unlike, I guess, I guess to really wrap it up, I, there's a, there's a symbol within these esoteric faiths of the snake eating its own tail and the Ouroboros and, or the, I don't know how, how you say it, but I think that's how you say it. But, um, that was, that was a symbol of mine for a while and it's not a good symbol anymore. I don't mind snakes eating each other and becoming bigger and, and spiraling into greater growth and more life, but to eat oneself over and over and over again into nauseam and, and circular logic, all that is as a, a, a book that I had read would say is it's like having roller skates on a, on an octopus. It makes a lot of movement, but it doesn't go anywhere. And that's the Ouroboros. And I, I think if anybody listens to this and they, they identify with that symbol, really ask yourself where you're at. Because I've been lost for a very long time. And I have I have no problem admitting that. And I'm sure I'm going to get lost again. You know, we tend to go off the path and then come back on as, as time goes on. But I've been lost for a very long time. And I think that's why is because I, I was, it was just circular. I was doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results and keep, you know, hitting familiar walls and not progressing. So I changed my, my Twitter feed, which was, uh, I actually made a post about it. It was pretty cool. And I guess that's where I'll wrap it up just in case you, if you don't follow me on Twitter, I would, this podcast does have a Twitter, uh, by the way, or, you know, account, which is now X, by the way. It's not Twitter, it's X. And I'm hoping that I can get my account reestablished because I am really freaking upset about the fact that my account cannot get, it just, it, it will not get unlocked. It doesn't matter how much, um, you know, I, Elon Musk has taken over. Crap's sake, it's not even coming up now. 
Um, it, it was apprenticeship too, or apprenticeships, apprentice, maybe it's apprentice too. I wanted to get it up, so apprentice too. I don't know. Sorry. Such a bad. Yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna accept that. Sorry, everybody, for that interruption. I know this is kind of a bad way to end. Um, don't even worry about it because I, I haven't been able to log on to the Apprenticeship Diaries X space uh, for a while. But um, my X account for me as a tattoo artist is A-N-I-C-H-O-L-L-S Tattoo. And that's... Uh, that's my, my one is a personal, I guess, an artist one. But that's the one that I, I changed my bio on. And I made a whole post about it. But basically, it was, just so everybody knows, uh, human, artist, creative, connector, passionate being, lover, the snake who eats its own tail. And it's changed. Because I after listening to this podcast, I was very much so moved to change that. Because I don't want to be lost anymore. And I don't want the implication that I'm lost anymore. And I don't want people to inadvertently think that I am participating in something that I'm not. Um, you know, when you are a person who does art or who is a creative for a living, it is so vital to know who you're participating in things with. Because that whole, like, you know... Uh, pushing your reality into focus and creating and constructing reality, that is a thing. It, it's not that that's a lie. It's just that you don't want to be manipulated into that and you don't want to manipulate others, or at least I don't. I think that's the integral way to go about it is that I'm looking to do cool shit with cool people. I, I want this to be something that is balanced and where everybody's coming at it from a place of integral action. Everybody is seeing each other and loving each other and really getting it. And it, it's not going to be as clean as these other more ritualized things are, but it will be more integral and it will be more human and I think real. And that's the biggest thing, real. So my bio changed too, and I will end with this. Human, artist, creative, connector, passionate being, lover, seeker of truth. So I, I ask all of you in the week ahead and moving forward, be a seeker of truth. I think that's the reason why I'm here. I think truth be told that is what I, I've always yearned for, is the truth. I've always wanted that. So, it's a good vibe. Not to use too many of the uh, yogi, holistic, whatever, woo-woo-y kind of talk or new agey kind of thing. But seek truth. And I do think that at least for me, the starting point is the Bible and I'm going to stay there for a while and I'll moving ahead, tell you guys what I find. Uh, certainly going to keep being open about that. 
I wish you all a very, very good week. Blessings all around. Thank you for this time. This has been almost an hour and a half, so I super appreciate you. Hopefully, this has given you a lot to digest. I know I gave you a lot of referrals and a lot to chew on, so don't get overwhelmed. Take it little by little and definitely decide whether or not it's a ball you want to pick up. But it was for me, and I'm going to go back to juggling now. Bye, listeners. Love you all. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.